Welcome to Bossy Riches. You're with Lisa Schinninger and Julia Dumay. And today we are getting ready for Halloween and talking about slasher movies. <laughs> Lisa the Shininger and <laughs> Julia Dumay. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Oh. <laughs> ah, and I do love The Shining, so it's perfect. Hey, there we go. Oh, so we're actually, the reason we're going to be talking about this today is... Uh, I saw something come up on my Tumblr dash. Um, it was a link to a Polygon article about a show that Siskel and Ebert did on their show Sneak Previews back in 1980. And it was all about the rash of slasher movies that were coming out at the time. Um, the The golden age of slash films is not the slash that you're thinking of if you come from the fandom world we're talking about. <laughs> slasher movies where um nubile young co-eds and still doofy... plenty of penetration going on still plenty Just, uh, plenty it's not as fun yeah it's not a different kind. kind different fluids penetration with knives yeah generally. um so where some crazed maniac in a mask or with horribly deformed features or maybe just you don't even see who it is at all the camera is the pov of the villain um where people just get sliced and diced and, as they say in Scream, turned into fish sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the golden age of, of the slasher film is really 1978 to 1984. It mm-hmm. started with um, really Halloween, um, starring the Scream Queen herself, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, and it kind of comes to an end with the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, then the genre sort of takes a turn into weirdness. Um but in 1980, they were really sitting uh, at, at like the peak of this period. And Siskel and Ebert specifically talk about how they have to keep going to the theater because they're working movie critics and they have to see everything that's out there. And they go into the theater and they're surrounded by people who just delight in what they call just total schlock. It's hyper-violent. It's misogynistic. It's not even a good movie. Um mm. These are independent movies. These are really low budget. These are, you know, some guys driving a Jeep and a girl jumps out of it and rolls to a stop on the side of the road. <laughs> it just That's Friday the 13th, which is one of the most popular films that came out of that. And they all go on to become really cult favorites. And in this uh, half-hour show on PBS, Siskel and Ebert were talking about just what trash these, these movies were. Um and it really struck me seeing that because that show is 34 years old mm. and we are still having the same conversation, albeit they're not slasher films now. We have this sort of gore horror genre mm. that has come up in the last, since whenever Sauce came out, um, mm. where it really is about nothing but the, the destruction of bodies um, and body parts. Um, and a lot of that violence is, is directed toward women in mm. these movies. Um, so we wanted to talk about that, which is kind of a downer of a topic, but we also <laughs> wanted to talk about um, horror movies in general. You know, I think uh, Joel's, ni- we've both said neither, I should call you ghouls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> both of us have said, we're not really big fans of the horror genre. And um, I think really it wasn't until recently that I had the vocabulary to explain why. And it is mm. that, it feels like an assault, you know, like it feels like I'm not Mm. welcome in a horror movie because I would be the victim. Mm. Um, Even, yeah. And I find 
even when it's not explicitly misogynistic, it's very nihilistic, it mm-hmm. feels like. You know, even if it's not all women being tortured and dismembered, and I, like, I will say that for the Saw movies, for instance, they're mm-hmm. just as cheerful about dismembering male characters right. as, as they are about dismembering female characters, is that I'm just, there's only so much of that you can take. It just, it's very mis misanthropic almost yeah. and um like i i was thinking about this you know american horror story just started a new season and um i'm sorry to say i'm probably going to watch it because the true horror of american horror story is that i can't stop watching it but um <laughs> it's just like ryan murphy in general and even before he turned to horror was just very, he's just a very misanthropic person in general of just his work is just so, everybody is so awful. Mm-hmm. And I I just, I can't watch that for very long. Um, and, and my favorite type of horror is not even so much horror. I'm not so much into horror as I am into creepy. I'm mm-hmm. into really, really unsettling creepiness um that more much more than i am into scares and things that make me jump yeah i'm i'm the same way i'm more in atmosphere than i am in mm. um disgusting i i don't even really have the words for it so yeah you know if your caro syrup budget is in the tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably not going to be watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. and I find I'm a lot more squeamish as I get older. Um, yeah, me you know, too. It's kind of like it's like a piling up of all of the all of the decapitations and dismemberings and mm-hmm. violations that you've seen. Like you can't, you know, one more on the pile, and it's just like, oh my god, I can't, I yeah. can't do this. Um, so my prefer, and I do watch horror movies. I watch and I do watch slasher films. Um, growing up. My mom really kept us from a lot of that because we had we would have nightmares over everything. I had at 13 years old, I had nightmares about Star Trek: The Next Generation episodes. (laughs) I'm I'm glad that she kept us away from that, but I didn't have that like cultural vocabulary of that everybody else had. Where you know, even at sleepovers, my friends and I would we'd watch Grease for the hundred thousandth time. We wouldn't Mm -hmm. be watching Sleepaway Camp or Friday the Thirteenth or Nightmare on Elm Street. so the first slasher movie that I saw was actually on Cinemax. Um, it was called um, Cutting Class. Huh. And it's got Donovan Leach Jr. and uh, Brad Pitt, like pre-fame oh, wow. Brad Pitt. Gosh. Um, it's low budget. It's a girl is being stalked um, through her high school. And it could be. It could be Brad Pitt. It could be Donovan Leach. It could be the janitor. It, you know, it could be anybody. And that's the real menace of these, these movies is they set mm-hmm. it up so it could be anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and Roger Ebert said in his review of some of the Scream movies that the villain is unguessable. And that's, you know, hmm. kind of, um, representative of the genre is they don't it's not a mystery to be solved you don't you aren't meant to find out to figure out who the killer is before the killer reveals themselves so it really is a faceless menace it could literally be anyone that you see um and cutting class is not it's a good 
example of a slasher film. It is not a good slasher film. It's not a good movie at all. I watched it a lot of times. Um, but then the, so the, that was the first one that I saw. And then not long after that, um, Scream came out and Scream oh, ruined excellent. me for every other horror movie that excellent. I looked to come. Yeah. Um, because like the characters were relatable. They were supposed to be my age. They were, um, they were funny. They were self-referential. They knew the rules. Yeah. They knew how to react. They didn't do what they were supposed to do, but they knew how they were supposed to do it. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it was it. Then after that was when I was exposed to Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street and, um, you know, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, When a Stranger Calls, which is just terrible. <laughs> terrible 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 um but so like i'd seen like the pinnacle and then i had to go and see all the the schlock oh, yeah <laughs> so i never really got into them in the way that i think a lot of people probably did because if the first movie you see is halloween yeah um you know that kind of sets a standard that you know when it's surpassed it's good and then you kind of hard to go much lower than friday the 13th the first one have you ever seen it <laughs> I have not. It it's like it based that's the one where it's basically like I just got a camera and I got in my Jeep and I'm, <laughs> and I'm Oh wow. Around. All right. It's, the production values are really really low. All um, right. But if that's what you're looking for, you know, it fills a need, you know, if you yeah. if what you want is girls with no bras and underwear running around getting stabbed to death. <laughs> there you go. That's the movie yeah. for you. Yeah. Um yeah, well I th- and I think we've we've talked about this a bit ourselves that I am not so much I think the first horror movie I actually saw was Scream mm-hmm. uh when I was probably way too young actually to be watching that cuz it was it was right after it first came out on VHS so this was back in the day um and I didn't you know I think I think you probably enjoy it a lot more when you come to it with a lot of uh of knowledge of horror movies if you're Mm -hmm. not coming to it with that then it's just sort of a scary movie um but yeah if you're coming to it I re-watched it for the first time when I found it on Netflix sometime last year and I was like oh this is actually this is a pretty good movie I turns out I'll Mm -hmm. be damned um but we've we've talked a bit and about how I'm not really into horror movies in practice, but in theory, I'm so into them. Like, I love reading about horror and critical writing and academic writing on horror. Um, and I, in fact, for this, I pulled out a couple of books that I own and I, I thought I had Men, Women, and Chainsaws, which is sort of the quintessential book about gender and horror, especially slasher movies. But I I can't find it on my shelf. But I do have um, a collection called The Dread of Difference, which is about gender and horror. And Misfit Sisters, which is this short, much shorter one about... Uh, it goes into something that I find very interesting about horror as well. It's it's basically, the subtitle is Screen Horror as Female Rites of Passage. And because, um, you know, obviously the big, one of the big concepts that comes up when talking about slasher movies is that of the final girl. 
And um, basically, I believe it's for men, women, and chainsaws, but I wouldn't swear to it. I'm probably wrong. Um, we'll we'll look that up and 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 give proper credit if it's not. But uh, the concept being basically that you know you have all these women who die, but there's also it's also generally the final survivor is also generally a woman. Right. Um, but she is a very specific kind of woman. She is not the one who has sex. Mm-hmm. She is not. And she's often physically very different from the ones who die. She's going to be brunette. She's going to be sort of androgynous. Uh-huh. Often she'll be sort of a, a waif and skinny with short hair. She'll often have kind of a, an ambiguous name, a name that could be male or female. Um, and what I find interesting, and you know, this has been said, is that uh, Joss Whedon has said that he created Buffy specifically as an anti-final girl. Mm-hmm. That in a horror movie, Buffy would be the first to die and Willow would be the final girl, would right. be the one who survives at, till the end. And instead, he created this show where the hero is the girl who would die first. Um, and I mentioned Misfit Sisters because I've read a very interesting response online, um, an essay. I'll have to track it down. I haven't read it in years. But what I remember of it um, was they pointed out, this author pointed out, who said, you know, I don't think it's just about gender. I think it's also about the, she calls the killer the guardian of the threshold. Mm-hmm. Uh, the passage from childhood to adulthood. Because it's also, you can look at that at, at the final girl and say, well, she doesn't drink. She doesn't mm-hmm. have sex. She doesn't do any of the grown-up things. Um, it's that it's generally high school students or maybe college students. It's generally young people being preyed on that this put forth this theory that it's also about about guarding the threshold to adulthood rather than just uh, good girls and bad girls, right. which I found very interesting. That is interesting because that lines up with, you know, it's not just women or girls who are killed mm. uh, in these movies. It's um, and you know if you if you remember Randy's rules in the first screen, mm-hmm. you don't get drunk you don't have sex you don't um do anything transgressive mm-hmm. um so that's really interesting i'd love to read that yeah i'll have to try and find a link if i if i can track down that essay i will definitely uh add a link to the to the website for that okay cool so i actually just had um as we're recording this last night yesterday i had yes. a scream marathon um, yes, excellent. And it was really interesting getting to rewatch it. I use interesting a lot, but I really need <laughs> it this time. Um, like, so I saw Scream for the first time when it first came out. I went to the movies with one of my friends, and oh, we nice. were about the same age as the characters. So we really, um, you know, identified with the characters. You know, they were doing things that if we weren't doing them, we wanted to be doing them, except mm-hmm. for getting brutally murdered. Um, the, so they were kids our age basically um Mm -hmm. and so now watching it you know as someone who's not that age anymore i still identify with them that way um Mm -hmm. they feel like friends that i knew at that time Mm -hmm. um 
so the first two, two, three movies, well, the first two movies feel that way. The third movie I have almost no memory of watching <laughs> before yesterday, and I know <laughs> I've seen it. It's that bad. Um, but it was really fun because I watched uh, Scream 4 for the first time last mm. night after yeah, watching how is that? the first three. I loved it. All right. I absolutely loved it. Um, and I don't know, I can't really say whether I loved it because it's a great movie in its own right, or if I loved it because it came, I watched it immediately after Scream 3, which is so nice. terrible. But it really feels like it. it is a bookend to the first movie. It feels the same. Oh, Kevin Williamson okay. wrote it, um, the fourth one, which he hadn't done since cool. the first. Of the, I think he only wrote part of the second. I think he got doctored a lot. Um hmm. But it feels the same. Um, the characters feel the same, and it feels like a natural progression from those characters from the first to the fourth movies. Um, and it's fun. It's got uh, Hayden Panettiere, and oh, she cool. is a delight. I wish she, I wish the movie had been hers. Like I wish she had been Excellent. the main character. She was really, really funny and um, compelling to watch. Oh, I like her. Yeah, it was. I liked it a lot. Um, but for me, like the Scream series is, they're ostensibly horror movies, right? But they're mm-hmm. they're not as scary, um, probably because of repeated exposure. I do remember being terrified the first yeah. time I saw most of them. And I was scared last night watching the fourth one. Uh, nice. Genuinely scared. There were, there were some moments where I was like, maybe I should wait until daylight. Um, oh, nice. Excellent. But for me, the Scream series is really about, it's like this, I want to know what happens to Sid. Like, I want to know how Sid's doing. I want to know if Sid's recovering or dealing. And I want to know what's going on with um, Gail and Dewey. Like, Yes. And that's, I think, why I'm not a big fan of most horror movies is the character work is really, really, really low on the list. Mm. You know, below the special effects budget and the scares is getting to know the characters and caring about the characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because that was my complaint with with Scream 3 was I didn't like any of the characters. I didn't know Mm. any of the characters. In fact, I noticed about halfway through that the killer would murder whoever I found the most annoying (laughs) at that point in time. I was like, that's that makes it more like a straight slasher film. It doesn't. Yeah, this isn't it doesn't feel like it fits. I guess. Yeah. Have you seen all of them? Not four. I have not. I have only seen, I've seen the first one and the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only seen the second one once, I think, though. So I I can't, I haven't seen the third and the fourth yet. So I have to watch certainly the fourth one. Um, I suppose I should put the third one in there just to complete. Just, just power through completest. it. Exactly. <laughs> just yeah. power just through it. Grip my teeth and power <laughs> through it. There was, um, I want to say first three scream one two and three are all on netflix now um which scream one hadn't been for a long time so i got really excited that i got to watch them all there and then i had to i had to rent scream four from google but it was worth it all right all right that's promising um i yeah well you bring up a really important point and i think that goes to like like I said, that I'm not so much into horror as I am into creepy and mm-hmm. atmospheric. And I think character characterization is a big part of that. Um, because if it's just horror, I mean, you have to make me care that these characters are being killed. You know, make me... 
because why should I care? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, fine. They're, they're all dying. Well, all right. I, who, who gives a shit? I mean, if right. I, if you haven't made me care about these characters, then so what? Um, you need to, that you need to put in the work. Um, and, and I will find it probably a lot scarier. And I think prioritize the characters over the, um, over the, the horror of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess that brings me to a, a question. Have you seen Cabin in the Woods? I have. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause I, that does some interesting things, I think, with the, the idea of characterization in horror as well. Um, and I, I go back and forth on it. I liked some of what it did. I was generally kind of eh on it, but I, I thought it did some interesting things. As is usually the case with Joss Whedon, I can take or leave a lot of uh, his stuff in execution, but in concept, a lot of it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, I think um, that it's doing a lot. It has some things to say on characterization in horror movies or lack thereof. Yeah, I the thing that I liked best about that movie was how the characters were fluid. Mm. Um how you start with the the horror stereotypes um and then well actually you start with the characters aren't the horror yeah. stereotypes and they really become solidified. So I guess the opposite of fluid Yeah, um, that they're sort of forced into right. the stereotypes. Which I did not I'm I'm not bright enough. I didn't catch that watching it by myself. It wasn't until afterward that somebody pointed it out to me that I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, because you see, like, the the jock um, has, like, physics books. And, yeah. Um, the, the dumb girl is has all this stuff around her room that indicates that she's not. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, was it the, the guy that the stoner... Starts at a different place. So that was really interesting. Um, but like I said, it was lost on me. <laughs> I did not yeah. pick up on any of that. Yeah. Um, but I did like I... what it... The the idea behind the cabin in the woods, um, that it's... Like, there's a larger force behind these, um, these depictions of evil that we see. Mm. Um Sort of, and it was sort of like a meta commentary on the industry mm-hmm. that churns out those movies, mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Has it been I, long I enough that we can give stuff away? I guess it has, hasn't it? <laughs> I think so. It's been a couple years now. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the there's that whole. It's I just it's really just saying it out loud. I'm like, oh, I'm realizing stuff right now about the movie because I haven't really thought about it that much. Um, that there's this underground industry of creating these horrors like um like they're facilitating the development of these things and there's specific uh tropes that are going to happen based on the cast of characters like um they talk about you're going to see a different trope coming to life in japan than you do yeah in yeah the United like States. in japan it's a bunch of school girls being tormented by a creepy looking you know dark-haired ghost mm-hmm. and yeah yeah, and like um, the suicide, like the rashes of suicides, and um, that are really specific to Japanese cinema horror mm-hmm. cinema, um, mm-hmm. which you don't see in American unless they remake it and don't do it as well. 
like the ring yeah the original yeah. the japanese version of the ring i made it through like 45 seconds yeah and i was so terrified that, i had to turn it off scary. and the american thing i watched the whole thing yeah i've watched both rings and yeah it's um yeah it's interesting i it's been years but i i did watch both of them but i remember very little at this point because it's been so many years mm-hmm. unfortunately but yeah i remember it was definitely there were some big differences um between the two as i recall um yeah for that's my super helpful contribution there is uh <laughs> yes they were different turns out <laughs> the remakes the american remake was different from the japanese original big news <laughs> fyi that's my contribution. <laughs> That's a good contribution. You're welcome. I'm, yeah. I'm given about the same level here. Like, oh, yeah. Let's talk about that detail. They were different in ways. That happened. There were it things happened. that happened in one that didn't happen in the there other. Were things. There was, though, I recently watched, and this is, I think this goes along with what we were saying, where I'm less into... Uh, horror than I am into creepiness. There was this movie I watched on Netflix, and now I'm completely blanking on the name. Um, it's a like a it's a ghost movie, and I I really enjoy a good ghost movie, a good haunting movie. Um, it's and it's a period piece too, which is awesome. I'm like yes, also totally there. Uh, but it's this haunted house movie. It's on it was on Netflix when I watched it anyway and it's uh this like English it's it's set in England in the 1920s and it's about this woman who is uh an investigator I believe like she does not believe in in ghosts oh, okay and she is brought in to sort of investigate what's going on at this uh girl's school in the country and is because you know people are there've been there's been a death or two at this point and parents are freaking out and starting to take their children away and they really need to figure out what's going on um and it my main problem was that the ending was a little unclear at first uh like it wasn't clear to me at first that she had not died at the end i was like oh okay she's still alive never mind um but it it's 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 a very like spooky, moody, interesting kind of quiet movie um that I yeah, it's much more about sort of characterization and her background and uh what happened with her. Of course, it's England, so there are lots of, you know, lots of like quiet, intense whispering scenes and uh yeah, I, I think my brother walked in on me watching a movie one time and I was like, well, it's an English drama and somebody just died, so it's almost over. And he said, oh, was there lots of hushed conversation? <laughs> I was like, yes, there was, actually. So it's very, you know, it's very repressed and English and English and quiet. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm now frantically Googling, trying to find the title. Uh, so I will I will keep you posted on that. Okay. If I if I find it, we can move on, and I'll chime in at some point and say here it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I prefer definitely when it comes to horror. Um, like I said, something more atmospheric. I like I like ghost stories. I like haunted houses. I like 
um, demon possessions. <laughs> I like yeah. um, inexplicably resurrected people. Um, one of my favorites is uh, the Nicole Kidman mm. movie. I and we're doing really great on titles today. I can't. Think is of that the, name the of others? That one. The others, yeah. I ran into it while I was trying to find my title. Mine, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right there, yeah. Um, which I, and I really like, where there's a secret um, that is withheld from the audience. Um, stuff, because I'm a mystery girl. Like, I want to, I want to figure stuff out while I'm watching. I don't necessarily want to um, just sit there and, and take it in. Um, like, I want to be a, slightly more active when I'm watching a movie um, trying to stay one step ahead I'm always three steps behind but I like to think that I'm a step yeah. ahead yeah um, so I like stuff with twists I like so like the others was was really a lot of fun because you're trying to figure out what's going on while the character is trying to figure out what's going on and then it turns out that the character has deliberately forgotten what's happening and that's why you're left in the dark as well um and that's things like that are a lot of fun i like to watch scary stuff like that rather than gore like i mm-hmm. i've seen i've seen too many knives going into bodies i've seen too many um coils of intestines mm-hmm. i've seen too many mm-hmm. er- ca- character actors staggering around with their arms pressed against their bodies <laughs> holding things back and uh holding up the bloody hand it's just it it verges on parody even when it's played straight uh just because you've seen it so many times at this point so yeah like more psychological stuff um moody atmospheric i really like watching horror from other countries as well um, yeah because the 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 language of not just the movie itself but the the tropes um are are different so i'm not i didn't grow up with um jokes about you know the the schoolgirl the japanese schoolgirl with the chalk white skin and the black eyes and crawling out of a tv set that's doesn't speak to anything in in my background of pop culture so that's completely terrifying cuz i have no idea what to expect um you know, when somebody goes into a, an abandoned house and there's a small child rolling a ball down the steps, if yeah. somebody doesn't immediately jump out and like cut your face off, you know, I don't know what to expect. And yeah. In other yeah. in other cultures, that's not what's happening. Um, yeah. Korean horror. I. Oh yeah. It actually is really hyper violent and bloody. Yeah. But yeah. in ways that are surprising. Um, Hmm. so I don't know. It's the same thing again. I don't know what to expect and I kind of don't mind as much the, uh, the, the gore because interesting. it's not the same scene that I've seen 300 times now. It's something different. Let's see. Oh, it's the awakening by the way. I finally tracked it down. Um, and it's actually a BBC movie. Um, it was like from BBC films and it, yeah, it stars Rebecca Hall and Dominic West and also features Imelda Staunton, who is just always fantastic. Oh, cool. So yeah, it's just, and yeah, it's very moody, very, it's less horror than it is like creepiness, which is a lot of, you know, as we said, I'm there for it. And Mm -hmm. there's lots of beautiful costumes and settings and yeah, so 
that's that's a lot of fun. I I really and I enjoyed it a lot. Although again, the ending was kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but like you said, I'm I'm generally, and I'm certainly not into slasher the slasher genre. Um, I will say there is one exception that I weirdly enjoyed, um, which is the 2007 remake of The Hitcher, which stars Sophia Bush. And um, I'm blanking on the dude's name. He's from, uh, he was on Happy Endings, which was a total contrast for me when I, when that was the main thing I knew him from was the slasher movie. And then I saw him on Happy Endings as the, like, uh, as the lead lead character on this funny show, um, but uh, you know the this young couple who picks up a hitchhiker because they are dumb and um, <laughs> ends up being stalked by him across the southwest, and that is sort of the main reason I recommend it. It is a beautiful film. Um, and as we've discussed, I will do a lot for, I will put up with a lot for mm-hmm. gorgeous movies. And it does the creepiness very well because it's never really explained who this guy is or why he's doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, you mentioned earlier that generally the killer is often, and this is something that gets picked up on in the critical literature as well, that the killers generally deformed he's not entirely human he's horribly scarred from some terrible accident that's warped him in this that is not the case at all it's sean bean just kind of being there and Uh not at all terribly scarred um you know obviously critical literature makes much in the way of the fact that often these villains are sort of not quite fully men uh you know, makes, does a lot with like, oh, they have to, they've been, you know, cut, cut up in other ways, probably. And so they're substituting sticking knives into screaming girls for uh, sex that that's generally made explicit in a lot of the critical literature. In this, that's not. And it's never really explained why he's doing this, mm-hmm. why he's like tormenting them. Um, it's almost sort of Lovecraftian to me of just like, who knows he's just he's just been completely consumed by something uh-huh. that is driving him to do this um and so it's like i said so it sort of bucks the conventions of slasher films a lot in that way um and we never really know any of the other victims there's not a lot of focus on the other victims it's really just sort of these two and it's a very for a movie with so many beautiful vistas and landscapes and wide open spaces it feels very claustrophobic Mm -hmm. which is something else that I'm a sucker for is a sense of sort of creeping horror um so yeah great atmosphere and gorgeous cinematography you really can and probably should just watch it with the sound off um (laughs) you can just easily see just watch it for the look of it so yeah that's that's yeah. my my main slasher my slasher exception well it looks like it's not on um 
Netflix, and I just accidentally started a movie on Netflix. Oh no! I was looking for it. Sorry. Yeah, it happened. Um, bla- I was trying to put it in my queue, and I started playing it again. So you can see how good I am with this interface, Netflix. Yep. Yep. Um, it was the movie I put in, trying to put in my queue as BlackRock. Um, oh. Which The Hitcher is unavailable on Netflix, but BlackRock is. All right. Um, and it looks pretty creepy. Um, Interesting. In the same vein as The Hitcher, another movie that I would recommend is um, the one with Steve Zahn and Paul Walker, Joyride. Oh. It came out uh, 2000, 2001, something like that. And it has, um, it's so creepy. Like, I think Ooh. about it constantly. I actually took a road trip a few years ago by myself. And as I was driving along, um, I kept noticing that this this one truck was behind me. Like for like four hundred miles, and <laughs> I was like, "Uh, please don't, please don't be like Joyride. Yikes. I don't want to be in Joyride. Please don't Yikes. let that be happening right now." Um, it is so so creepy. Um, Ooh. it's a got it's got Jim Beaver in it, who you would recognize oh, yeah. from Supernatural, who is um a really big film fan. If you follow him, he on- is. On yeah. Facebook, he constantly is reviewing movies, new and old, um, oh. and sort of uncovering a lot of things that maybe you haven't heard of before that are really, really great. Um, cool. It's so that's that's the story of these two brothers on a road trip, um, and they're terrorized by uh, this this voice, uh, this Ooh. trucker that they play a joke on uh, over the Ooh. CB, um, oh, and then he turns out to be completely psycho. Oh wow! All right. The voice of the the trucker's name is Rusty Nail. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that's what I love about. That's (laughs) one of the things I'm enjoying is how completely unsubtle a lot of the names are. Yeah, Um, like in the Hitcher, his name is John Ryder. I'm Mm -hmm. like, wow. All right. Yeah, like if you're like in real life, if you if you come across somebody whose name is, I will murder you. You're like, yeah, stay away. But in these movies, it's like, oh hi, do you need a ride? Sure. Um, Rusty Nail is voiced by Ted Levine. Uh, better known okay. as Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, Captain Leland Stottlemyre from Monk. The two <laughs> complete ends of the spectrum of yeah. acting. Um, and he is so creepy. Like, Ugh. it took a, it took me about halfway through the movie the first time I watched it to place the voice. And oh, once gosh. I did, it added like this extra layer of terror. Oh, <laughs> like, yikes. oh. I'm like getting, I'm like shuddering just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It's got Lily Sobieski in it too. It's creepy. It's gross. It's grody. It's, Excellent. Uh, it's it highly recommend. Um, Excellent. And it's sort of it kind of goes against all the things that I've said that I enjoy in horror yeah. movies and don't. Yeah. But it was really well, well done. And Paul Walker and Steve Zahn are yeah. the brothers. Um, and I think it was the one of the first things I saw Steve Zahn in that I remember him seeing him in. Um, it was that in Happy Texas, where he's oh, yeah. like a dim-witted wow. con artist. Um, yeah, yeah, it was Joyride. I don't know if it's on Netflix, but I would, I would definitely I'll recommend have to that. Seek that out. Yeah, well, that's something you know, because I was in preparing for this episode, I was rereading a bit, um, refreshing myself by rereading some of the books I've got about horror, and there's one essay in particular I was looking at in uh, The Dread of Difference, which is um, the essay is called Her Body Himself about gender in the slasher film. Mm -hmm. And 
she makes the argument. Um, where is that? That um, it's sort of the ways she uh, points out that a lot of uh, people in in folklore, a lot of folklorists, tend to point to a lot of the same things in horror movies as appear in like different versions of early fairy tales and folk mm-hmm. tales. Um, and and one of my absolute favorite pieces of horror actually is. Uh, called an early version of Little Red Riding Hood called The Grandmother's Tale, which is super creepy and has all these weird, you know, sexual undertones going on. And it's just one of these wonderful, like, things are slowly becoming more and more wrong and creepy. Um, But uh, she, and she says, you know, a lot of the things, there's so many sort of, things that are musts in the genre there's so much that is um so many almost uh cliches but uh here let's see students of folklore early literature recognize in the slasher film the hallmarks of oral story the free exchanges of themes and motifs the archetypal characters and situations and the accumulation of sequels remakes and imitations but Mm -hmm. um the author goes on to argue that sort of what makes it more important to study as a genre is almost the the things that are all the same rather than the things that are different. That the ways in which people are being artistic or original are really, for a student of the slasher film, what you want to ignore. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to throw out. But um, I guess maybe from a personal perspective, I guess what's different is worth remarking on and worth looking at for us since, you know, we both have these, like, there's so many things we dislike about <laughs> the genre. Yeah. Um, but we both have our a couple of exceptions where we're like, oh, but even, you know, the height of the ultimate sort of slasher film, mine is like a remake of a of a movie it's not even an original or a sequel it's a flat-out remake and uh-huh. yours is like pretty much a, a classic example of the slasher film we're both still like yes but for some reason that one is yeah. there. that one yes I love it even though it represents so many things I dislike right yeah well it's like I was saying last week about Supernatural um mm-hmm. you know there are elements that that sort of hit me hard enough that I can mm-hmm. overlook uh, the mm-hmm. more problematic aspects of it, and I like I like the idea of horror as sort of the new um, the new fairy tale, mm-hmm. um, the 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 stories. I mean, those come from you know lessons being imparted. Don't do this, don't do that, or the boogeyman's going to get you. And that's really <laughs> what what horror a lot of horror films do. Don't don't drink, don't do drugs, don't have sex with your boyfriend um, mm-hmm. in the middle of the woods in a car <laughs> yeah. at midnight uh, overlooking the cemetery. That or is the not going to go any place good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they're really cautionary tales. And then I think like the recent resurgence of horror movies, things like. Um, the Purge, um, things like the Saw mm. franchise, mm. I, where I think there's less of that sort of moralizing happening, and I'm yeah. much less interested in, you know, it, and I think those are probably more reactions to things like, um, I hate to say it because I'm going to sound ridiculous, but like Saw is more of a reaction to um, 9-11 and like our mm. rising consciousness of, of terrorism mm. and 
you know, a precarious security mm-hmm. where you can wake up in a room chained to a grimy bathtub with, you know, <laughs> your leg missing below the knee, which, you mm-hmm. know, is an extrapolation of real life. It's probably <laughs> unlikely, but it speaks yours, to that, that cultural oh, yours, fear that we have. Yours is much deeper than mine. I was going to say the purge strikes me more as a reaction to Hunger Games. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think you're probably right on that You one. are much deeper than me. I'm like, oh, wow, you went uh, into, like, cultural well, 9-11. I'm like, this is cashing in on Hunger Games. Yeah, so, it, it, but then go. at the same time, I mean, you're really looking at um, it's not just the Hunger Games because, like, the Hunger Games has something really specific to say about that mm. fight for survival. But the Purge is like, um, there's so much control over everything else that there's this one night where everybody goes crazy, and it turns out when yeah. everybody goes cr- when when all restrictions are lifted, it turns out that people are just murdering savages. Like, yeah, um, like straight up Hobbs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so like, I'm like. I can't really say much about the purge because I've only watched like the first half and I just didn't, yeah. it was too violent. I didn't, I didn't like yeah. it. Um, well, and it's, I mean, it's that thing. It's that, um, I mean, and I'm a fairly, I don't think I'm a particularly, uh, optimistic person in terms of, uh, thinking the best of people. I tend to, I tend to be kind of cynical. I tend to kind of assume the worst of people a mm-hmm. lot of the time, but even for me, um, it can be really, as a genre, just really misanthropic and flat out, like I said earlier, nihilistic. I'm mm-hmm. just like, I get it. People are terrible to each other. I, I, I am aware of this. You know, if I, if I want to hear about how terrible, gruesome things people can do to each other, I can go to the Holocaust Museum. Right. Like, I get it. You know that that happens. Just give me. I. I can't just sit through that. There's a a very low limit to how much of that I can take. Right. Right. It's the same. Like you can't, there's gotta be something to enliven it. Um, Mm -hmm. You can't sit through unrelenting misery for two Mm -hmm. hours and it, you know, yeah. like for the, I mean, sure. I'm sure some people can, but for me, that's not enjoyable of a two hour assault on people and on, you know, my eyeballs. (laughs) I can't. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I would seek out something that had, if it's going to do that, I want it to have something to say and mm-hmm. or I want it to be entertaining in another way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, at the very least, I want it to be well done. You know, mm-hmm. fine, I can once in a while handle some nihilism, but it had better be beautiful. Yeah. You know, give me like a beautiful cinematography and really attractive, awesome actors. Um, and even then, I'm it better not be too long because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be there for more than an hour, t- <laughs> a couple of hours. And I am done for the, for the time being probably mm-hmm. for several months. Yeah. So and I'm, yeah. That's like why I never, I mean, besides the initial gut reaction to, I just don't like it. Um, why mm-hmm. I never really got into slasher movies was because so many of them are not well done at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, mm-hmm. even the ones that are considered like top form, um, like Halloween, it's mm-hmm. so plotting. It's so mm. it's boring. It you know, yeah. um, in between these in, these peaks of of terror, it's just like, oh my god, can he, why is he still walking around? <laughs> <laughs> like, can yeah. something happen? Can somebody do something? Yeah. Um, and you know, it's hard to see stuff, and the quality is bad, and yeah. Yeah, so like it has to be well done. If it's got an actor that I like, I'm more likely to watch it. If it's got, you know, if it's if it tries to be funny, 
uh, without yeah. trying too hard, like, which is my big problem with Scream 3, was I think they didn't know what movie they were trying to make. Mm. Um, but yeah, like, I w- there's got to be another reason to tune in, because the blood and gore and stabbings just aren't doing it for me. Yep. Yep. Ditto. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good times. Good times. I guess, let me see. Do we have anything else to say, or do we want to go to Rex recommendation? Um, I don't think I have anything else. Yeah, I think I'm tapped out. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Do you want to start with Rex, and then I can, well, I, uh, see if there's, I'm trying to think if there's anything I haven't recommended yet. Yeah, that's, um, me too. Let me see. Yeah, I said there's the Hitcher, the Awakening, Hitcher. definitely. Um, and as always, Buffy, I think, is is always a good choice. And those books I've mentioned are Misfit Sisters and The Dread of Difference are the two main ones I've mentioned. There's also, of course, the, the classic is Men, Women, and Chainsaws for gender and horror movie. Okay, give me a second because i got to add that to Goodreads. And I'll put links to those books on Powell's in the show Excellent. notes. And um, as al- and always for Halloween, the Simpsons Halloween specials. So I, I feel like I, I always need to recommend those. Oh, so yeah. If you're looking for not too scary. I've also, <laughs> oh, I forgot. I've also been reading a lot and it can be hit or miss. So I will try to come up with a good links list. Um, but it's very interesting to watch this community is the no sleep community on Reddit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it can be very, very interesting to watch. And the key there, they have sort of a rule is suspension of disbelief is the rule that you have to respond to this as if it were real. Um, And like, I think originally it was sort of a nonfiction forum, but it's evolved over time to sort of be uh, fiction, Um, but realistic horror fiction that you can't have vampires, you can't have zombies, but apart from that, it can be, and a lot of them are, the best ones are just really creepy and great at building this sense of unsettling, creepy, something is wrong. Um, So I've really enjoyed that. So I'll try to find a good collection of of links to some of my favorite pieces from that community for for you as well, for listeners. yeah, so I recommend that though. If you're if you're ever bored and you've got twenty minutes to kill, um, check out No Sleep as well. Sounds good. Um, I'm gonna recommend. Um, I'll have a link in the show notes for some creepy pasta. Um, yes. That are <laughs> a little great way to creep yourself out I late love at night. Creepy um, pasta. You know, with your back to the wall and all the lights yeah. off. Um, and then I also would recommend, uh, like I said, Joyride, which I don't think mm-hmm. is on Netflix, but you can go to canistream.it and find out where else you could watch it or rent it. Um, I'm going to also link to a list of uh, of horror movies that should be available on Netflix right now from Movie Phone. Um, they call it the 31 Best. Uh, some of them aren't really horror movies, and some of them aren't really that good, but it's a good right. place to start. Um, All right. Things like The Lair of the White Worm and Audrey Rose, um, hmm. The Town That Dreaded Sundown, which is uh, really, really creepy. Ooh, um, Monkey right. Shines. There's, I think there's a lot of George Romero movies all on right. Netflix, which are a good place to start if you're looking for the, the classics. Um, cool. And of course, I would recommend Scream. One, yes. I would recommend Scream 4. Scream 2, watch it just because it's um, 
there. <laughs> Scream 3. Oh, boy. Uh, if you just can power through it, if you need yeah, to be a completist, get a but... drink, get a sandwich, sit down and just hope for the best. I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, um, I don't really have any books to recommend this week, which is a first for me. Um, well, you're a big Stephen King fan. Aren't yeah, you? that's true. I do. You know, Stephen King, I think everybody should read everything, all of it, mm-hmm. even the bad ones. There we go. Um, everybody the, read it. Just the, Stephen King. Yeah. Stephen King, there's a, a story he wrote that's more science fiction than horror, but Mm. I read it in college um, around this time of year. And we were driving to dinner one night in another, in the next town over and there was a snowstorm coming. Um, Oh wow. So there was a, Uh we could see a line of snow advancing across the fields. And so it was just white. And the story that I had just read was the mist, which is about this thick fog that blankets the new like yeah uh, the eastern seaboard and things come out of it yeah um it's it was adapted into a movie which was not great yeah Um, i would skip the movie read this it's an it's in a short story collection it's definitely i think it's probably long enough to be called a novella it uh, to this day if I go to work in the morning and there is fog, I want to turn around and go home. <laughs> I want to oh, call my yeah. mom. Yeah, <laughs> I that's be terrible like, for me. Let's hide out now because we're all going to die. Um, yeah, so I that, live near a river, so that's yeah, terrible for me. Yeah, I, get so I drive much fog. along the river on the way to work, and it's—I'll wake up in the morning and I'll check the weather on my phone to see what it's going <laughs> to nope. be that day. And it'll say, you know, warning, heavy fog. And I'm like, I just want to go right back to bed. (laughs) I don't want to deal with that. Nope. Um, Shut it down. So, yeah, I would definitely, The Mist, I can't remember which collection it's in, but you can find that. um, uh, And I'll try and link, if I figure out which collection it's in, I'll link to that in the show notes, too. Um, And uh, if you're you're joining us next week, um, we are going to be discussing Dracula. So, uh, uh, the Bram Stoker novel. Um, I probably, if I, depending on how, uh, how far I can get into it, I'm probably going to give an attempt at, uh, rereading also, um, the historian. So, uh, because that's an excellent pair for Dracula. Uh, but of course you're not required. If you can get through any of that though, I may bring that up as well. And of course there's always also Nosferatu on Netflix and, um, obviously the classic Buffy versus Dracula so so yeah join us next week for Dracula certainly just to put in a plug give everyone a heads up give them time to uh to join us to read for the first time if you haven't before which we highly recommend yes um I'm I'm gonna link in the show notes uh to a version of Dracula yeah because it ought to be I think it's on Gutenberg you Mm -hmm. ought to be able to just get it for free so you don't even need to to pay for it yeah and Gutenberg offers, I think, an audiobook version and ebook oh, versions as well. So your excellent. whole range of options is covered. Excellent. Sorry, I interrupted. Did you have any more recs? I, no, I just kind of jumped in there. I think the ones that, I, that I've that i got are pretty good. I'm actually, uh, my project uh, before this episode comes up is to get a recs page on oh, good. the site so that we have everything in one place so you... Um, can go there and look and see what we've recommended Excellent. in the past and oh that'll be exciting yeah so i'm really excited about that and cool. that should do it cool all right and uh yeah i guess oh yeah social stuff oh right 
yeah. So you can uh, you can find us on Facebook at Bossy Britches Podcast. That's our page where you can like us, really, really like us. You can uh, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at Britches Podcast. We're also on Tumblr at BritchesPodcast.tumblr.com. And then I am on Twitter. You can follow me there and see my... Uh, live blog marathons of things like Scream yes. and yell with me about pop culture at OC yes, Fair. Always. It's always. I'm always ready to yell about pop culture. And Jules, where can we find you? I am Jules Has Tweets and Lisa's OC Fairer. I think I might have cut you off. There. Oh, that's okay. So putting in an extra plug there. All OC right. Fairer and Jules Has Tweets. And you can find us on the website at realbossybritches.com where we keep our show notes. Spooky noises. (laughs) Excellent. Cool. All right. 